0: This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Walpwollipan, Faith, Stairville, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Walpwollipan. We hope to see you soon. Well, I, I know I've mentioned this before, but I am not a gardener. Never have been, just not even a little bit. Now, I'm not sure what the opposite of a green thumb would be, but that would be mine. <laughs> my wife and I have tried to have house plants, but with no success, we just it's the thing we can't do. But what's really strange is that my maternal grandparents, my mom's uh, mom and dad, were great at growing things. My grandpa uh, would plant gardens. My grandma had house plants all over the place. She had a beautiful rose garden. Even my dad loves to garden. I remember as a kid, he would grow these huge gardens and and, uh, all the vegetables that would come off of them. And even my kids like to grow herbs and, and flowers and things like that. What happened to me? I don't know. I I skip the generation or something. I'm not sure what it is. Well, today in Mark 26 through 34, we're reading about Jesus talking about planting seeds and how they grow. And if you have your Bible and want to join me, um, I'll begin reading in verse 26 where Jesus says, and he's, he's also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up the seed sprouts and grows though he does not know how all by itself the soil produces grain first the stalk then the head then the full kernel in the head as soon as the grain is ripe he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come there's a great mystery to how the seed works like it's a science it's like the science experiment that a lot of kids do in school i don't know who all did this in your school or you take the styrofoam cup and then your, your teacher has the potting soil, you put it in the cup and then you plant the seed in there and cover up a little bit and uh, you know, but what's interesting is then you go put it, you put it in this, this window of the school, but then aside from watering it a little bit each day, students just go about their classes, you eat lunch, you have recess, and then you go home when the day ends. This entire time though, the seed continues to grow. Even though you're not really doing anything. But I can still remember the excitement of seeing the first green start to sprout from the soil. It reminds me of a scene from the movie WALL-E with the robot and how Earth was abandoned. And they were all really fat and sitting on the, you know, the folding <coughs> chairs and stuff. And how excited they were when there was this plant growing out of a, a boot or something. Wasn't it in a boot or something? I don't remember. But I remember as a kid being so excited that when that first green would sprout from that dark Earth. But I also remember how impatient I would get, waiting for this to happen. There was nothing I could do to hurry the process, because little did I know how much was actually going on under the surface of that dirt. Now, Jesus in this parable is, of course, talking about the coming of God's kingdom to earth. Jesus and his followers were scattering seeds. Just like the seed, God's word contains this regenerative power. It just sort of just starts to grow. But it grows slowly and surely, and oftentimes, we may not even see the progress that is happening. See, our goal as Christians, though, is to help plant those seeds, to go into our world and sow. But there's two problems, there's probably more, but two that I can see. The first problem is in the sowing. Either that we just don't do it, or that we're using the wrong seed. Sowing for us means going into the world and sharing God's message. It means not being ashamed of our faith and sharing our faith wherever we go. It means sharing the gospel of grace and forgiveness, but it all begins with how we live our own lives. It doesn't require standing on the street corners with signs or evangelizing everybody we meet. It requires us to go into the world and live according to the Spirit. And if you want to say them with me, go ahead, because I'm going to say them again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When people when people know that we claim Christ, but we're not living according to these things, we're using the wrong kind of seed. If we claim Christ, but we're not loving other people, if we're not patient, if we're not good, if we're not kind, people are going to look at us and they're not going to want what we have to offer. This is one reason that many people have abandoned churches today is because well, basically, we don't practice what we preach. But the second problem I see is impatience. When I was in school growing my like plant in a cup, it seemed like it took forever. But my teacher always told us to wait, to not do anything, don't poke the dirt, because that's one of the things you always want to do, is like, poke it, come on, grow, you know. But they said, don't do that, because anything I would have done would have damaged the process. As Christians, and we're sowing and planting, one of the things that we have to do is be patient as well. Just like gardening, we can't force or coerce growth and progress in somebody else. But sometimes we try to do this. We, we sometimes use fear and guilt to try to push people into belief. Threats of hell and eternal damnation. Saying how much God hates this group and turn and burn or turn or burn and, and things like that. Even withholding help until someone makes a profession of faith. Now, I'll equate this to using too much fertilizer, if you know what I mean. But the truth of the matter is that sometimes you will scatter seeds that you yourself will never see grow or even get to harvest. But that doesn't mean we should stop scattering them. But also means that we shouldn't force growth just so that we can see growth. But the thing about God's kingdom, it was never meant for power and influence. That's the second part of our our parable today. At least not in the way that we think about it. Jesus says, beginning in verse 30, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. With such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Christianity began humbly, just like a mustard seed, the smallest of seeds. See, it's a metaphor for the, the ministry of Jesus. See, everyone was expecting this Messiah. But Jesus was not what people expected. He was what people needed. Jesus was born in a stable, not the palace. He, he toppled tables in the temple, not in the capital. He never sat on a throne. He died on a cross. See, Jesus wasn't concerned with earthly power. Because earthly power is often about control and it easily corrupts us. Jesus never forced or coerced anybody into following them or into following him. He simply invited them to. They chose to follow him because they were drawn to the message he had for them. He offered them something different, a God who was accessible through him. He offered them a better way to live, free of shame and guilt. He met them where they were planting seeds where other people wouldn't. His ministry, which is now our ministry, spread throughout the world from humble beginnings. The interesting thing about the mustard seed is how big the plant can grow from such a tiny seed. As verse 32 says, when Yet, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the bird can perch in its shade. Even with the size of its growth, though, the mustard plant isn't as impressive as a cedar or an oak tree. But yet, it is still enough to provide shelter for the birds. As you'll recall, we're told by Jesus in Matthew 6 26 and 27 to look at how God provides for the birds how they don't worry or fret, and that the same is true for us. God's kingdom isn't about being the biggest and the largest. It's not about power or control. It's not about wealth or prestige. God's kingdom is about humility and service. It's about community and belonging. It's about grace, forgiveness, and love. It's about meeting people where they are and welcoming them to join you on the journey. It's not about God giving us what the world would tell us we should value. It's about trusting God to provide us with what we need to live. Now, since I first came to our churches almost two years ago, I've looked around and seen the potential that we have in our community. I've also seen the challenges and struggles that our churches have. With aging congregation, with with some limited resources, but I've also seen the needs of our community and thought about the potential impact that we could still have around us. I've even dreamed about all the ways that we could work together to plant seeds or share the love of Jesus with our neighbors. For those that attended our first MOD team meeting, our mission outreach and discipleship team meeting, on the minutes were a list of Pastor Scott's crazy ideas. That's exactly what I titled it as as well. This is a list that I have carried around with me for the past two years, and I thought I'm gonna share it with everybody else today. And here's what some of them were. A blessings box for food donations for our neighbors where people could take and donate things without having to fill out a form or even come inside. A lending library box, a Saturday morning men's breakfast, a weeknight free community supper, a give and take or a low cost thrift store, a kids' clothing exchange where parents can exchange their kids' clothes because kids grow so fast. A food pantry. Divorce care and grief share groups for people that are struggling. Farmer and vendor's markets where our neighbors can come together and, and share. Kids' movie nights where, where parents can find a low cost and easy way to, to entertain their kids and get out of the house. A coffee house style worship. Adopting a class at Rice Elementary or finding other needs that teachers and students have at the school. A group willing to do small home repair and maintenance for some of our shut-ins that need the help. Or fresh expression groups where members pray and read scripture while doing something they enjoy. Yoga is one of those. Or what about running or music or art or being in the outdoors or hunting and fishing or community beautification or music or I could go on and on. The things that you enjoy doing but putting a spiritual spin on it. Multiple ongoing Bible studies in small groups, led by church members where you just gather people in your home and eat and sort of talk and fellowship. Or beginning Bible studies for people who maybe have questions about faith, but haven't been in church much, and so they're afraid to walk through the doors. Now these are just ideas that sort of have occurred to me during my time here. One of the things I have to do is... My brain gets a little overactive. I don't know if anybody else is like that. And so I have to do what I call brain dumps, where I just kind like a, you know, it's all over the page. Um, and it kind of gets it out of my head. I would equate that for the, of you've ever watched Harry Potter, when Dumbledore takes the wand and he puts it by his head and he can pull out his memories and thoughts and put them in a the little thing. That's what that is. It's just sort of me getting it onto paper so that it's out of my brain. It's a scary thing. But these are just the things that have occurred to me. And I said the other day at our PPRCV that I'm here because I want to be here. I'm here because I love our churches. I I love our people. I'm also here because I see the needs of our community and I believe that God has a plan to use us. I also think COVID tripped us up for about a year and a half too and affected a lot of the things that we would have done. I'd also be lying, though, if I said I wasn't scared for the futures of our churches. Believe it or not this actually wakes me up at night. I'll lay in bed or get up at my computer and just think about what can we do to help our churches grow or to, to provide a future for us or, or what can we do to overcome the obstacles that we have And I'll be honest, it's, it wears me out because there's so much that can be done. But maybe just maybe it's not about us growing. Maybe it's just about us planting as many seeds as we possibly can. Maybe it's not about who sits in the pews on Sunday morning or places money in the offering plate. I mean, we like to use these things because they're measurable. We can say like, well, this is how many people we had in worship this week, and this is how many a year ago, and this is how many last week. This is what the offering was. This is what our budget is. We like measurable things. But what if it was about the seeds we plant that we may never harvest? What if it was about seeds that we plant that we don't even know grew until we get to heaven and that person is there? The people we come in contact with during the week that we treat with kindness. The lives we change through small acts of ministry and service. The love we show to our neighbors through providing a helping hand. There is this amazing fertile field that surrounds us and I think God has prepared it for us. There's a community of people with fears and struggle, and if COVID has done anything, it showed us how close to the edge so many people are in our community. Close to bankruptcy, close to to suicide, close to just giving up. You know many of these people. They're your friends, they're your neighbors, they're even your relatives. One of the things I've learned about our churches is there are many of you that have your eyes and ears to the ground here in our community. Some of you know everybody. So what if through conversations that we're able to have with other people, what if we could find out more about what the needs are or, or even what people would like to see us do? And what if through these same conversations we could find ways that we could work together with others, with other community groups... To share and find resources to meet the needs of our community. Not to grow or to fill our coffers, but to just plant seeds for Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 17, 20, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. He didn't say nothing will be impossible for you if you have a large budget and a big staff and a giant building and young congregation. He said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. That's all it takes. All we need to be doing is planting seeds. And if we do this and if we put our faith and our trust in God, just like the seed grows without us knowing how, God will do the rest. This includes moving any mountains that are in our way. Let us pray. Dear God, we just thank you for knowing that sometimes even when we have doubts that all it takes is that mustard seed of faith to move mountains. We just ask today that you would increase our faith, that you would just give it to us, that we would go into this world, that we would plant seeds for you. And that we would share your love with the world around us. We ask that you would show us where it is you would have us to go, what it is you would have us to do, and that you would provide the people and the resources that we would need to share your love with our community, and to meet them where they are. We ask this in Jesus' name.